I get so never before in my life, but on Instagram, I get random like private messages. Yeah, like real people or like bots or something. I don't know. Oh yeah, everybody gets those. It's probably if it's bots. like some weird like not a I never real look. looking name. If it if it doesn't look like if I can't see something that looks reputable, right. I don't even open it. So that's why you never answered my <laughs> direct message. <laughs> oh, here's another creep looking for nudes. <laughs> I actually... Cleverly disguised in a message about country music. <laughs> I, I'm very new to Instagram, so I didn't even see your message until after I got your email. Right, but yeah. basically, yeah, I wouldn't have answered it. <laughs> well, you have to kind of... Those those messages from, non, from people you're not friends with kind of get hidden a little bit. Yeah. 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 There you go under the requests. That yeah. You, yeah. I noticed we get some pretty special ones on the podcast account. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of j- have like for some reason, like you've been added into something with 28 other people yeah. from an account that has zero followers that. Yeah. Nice. Anyways. So um, what, what what should we call you? Dr. Jada, Dr. Watson, Professor Watson, PhD, oh, Jada Jada. Your Insta handle, <laughs> Dr. Watson, professor of fill in the blank at fill in the blank. <laughs> uh, so I'm a professor in the School of Music and I teach in information studies and digital humanities at the University of Ottawa. Very cool. When we met and I asked you what your specialty was, what mm-hmm. you studied, you said country music. Yeah. And you didn't believe me. I did not think that that was a straight thing. up a thing. <laughs> because yeah. like in, in my grad work, I, it was sociology of wine. My my thesis was on I wine. I also co- didn't think that was a thing. Well, exactly. So I I, <laughs> I got to believing it. I was like, oh, because there's no wine department. It's like a subset of a subset in a mm-hmm. department. Yeah. yeah. Both those things are blowing my mind. Why did I take psychology and human resources? I have no idea. I could <laughs> have been studying yeah. beer or yeah. country music. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, welcome um, as our first ever guest on the Thank podcast you. welcome to country country music Thank and we you. like that you live here because we, yeah. we we can maybe do this again we can yeah. and we've been a big proponent proponent of uh face-to-face interviews which is kind of you know we've had a few interview requests from people and we haven't really wanted to do much over the phone because yeah we like the face-to-face stuff so uh yeah we're happy to have you here as our first guest you lose a lot over a phone yeah i agree oh yeah like we can't have this interaction and yeah you can't see the faces that laugh. I'm going to make. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what you're doing here mm-hmm. is we f- saw this wonderful article uh, that the CBC had published or did an article on about your academic article on representation of women in country radio. And this is something that we've been talking a lot about on the podcast, mm. um, uh, something that has always been a disparity, but has grown deeper and deeper since mm-hmm. the early 2000s. And it turns out there's someone who goes beyond like, um, what do we call it? General layman observations or anecdotal. anecdotal. Yeah, I was about to say anecdotal evidence into someone who has empirical data on it. Mm-hmm. And so thought it'd be fun if we got you to set this, the record straight on a number of these things for us. Sure. I'll see what I can do. Country. 
country, country music. All right, so before we get too uh, far into a deep dive into everything that we just introed, I'd kind of like for our listeners and for myself and for Andrew is just to get a brief synopsis of, of what exactly um, the studies that you've done, uh, have just an overview of what they're all about. Right. So I've been really interested in issues of gender representation for the last maybe four or five years, certainly since May 2015 when the first tomato was slung. Um, tomato gate. Tomato gate. Yeah. And I was finishing up my dissertation at the time. Maybe briefly, if I can interject, yeah. just explain what Tomato Gate is to not everybody who would know. Sure. So in May 2015, uh, a radio consultant in the, in the United States, his name is Keith Hill, um, he did an interview with Country Air Tech where he was speaking about programming and scheduling on country radio. And he, he made a statement that said, you know, sure, we have great women in country music, but they're just... They're just not the lettuce of our salad. The women are the tomatoes and and encouraged programmers to keep women at about 13 to 15% of the programming in order to improve and or maintain station ratings. So this, you know, launched TomatoGate, um, infuriating artists, infuriating journalists, basically anybody who's been listening to country music. But at the same time, it was like an aha moment for a lot of us who were like, oh my gosh, this is why we don't hear women on country radio. But that was 2015? 2015, yeah. But how how quickly did that become, because that was sort of an internal sort of thing within the radio industry saying you, this is how you should be operating? It was sort of like one of those unspoken rules that everybody was doing. So they, there are a couple of things uh, that are spoken about, but not written down policies, like don't program two women back to back. But didn't that all come from somebody in the 90s? That Same man. Same guy. Same guy, yeah. Okay, yeah. So he was the guy who essentially did that test yeah. and of, of not having women back to back, small yeah. percentage, and ratings went up. So yeah. then he said, let's yeah. do this everywhere. So it was interesting because in 2015, all he did really was talk about this 13 to 15% quota and calling women tomatoes. And it was last summer where he admitted in a series of uh, tweets with woman Nashville, with <coughs> whom I work mm -hmm. quite closely, um, where he revealed that all of this came out of studies that he was doing on his own station in 96, 97, where he decided to drop the number of women in his playlist. He cut them in half, not the people. He cut the <laughs> amount of women in his playlist in half. And he reports that his ratings increased. And then he replicated that on all of his other stations. And he reports that his ratings increased. And he's a radio consultant in addition to being... Um, uh, a programmer on Imagine stations. Imagine he had actually cut them in half and this <laughs> this interview just took a whole different turn. To a like whole my different favorite, podcast. A whole, my country. favorite murder. <laughs> <laughs> Zombie country. Yeah. Yeah. So so it was last summer that we that we had all these additional details. And it was really through a, a tweeting conversation between woman Nashville, Marissa Moss, Courtney E. Smith, who writes for Refinery29, and myself. And and it's it sort of, it made all of my data make sense to me. So you were in the tweet storm yeah. of what was going on with TomatoGate? Yeah. Oh. Not TomatoGate, okay. but last summer when right. it was, oh, okay. it's sort of like the anniversary of TomatoGate every year brings <laughs> huh. all of it back up and he comes out and says some things. Trigger and, warning. Yeah. So did he have, did he have like 
this data that he was throwing out there saying that it was increasing ratings and all that stuff, was that ever presented or was it just him? No. Mm -hmm. I kind of figured as much. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd love to see it. Uh, I would also love to see audience data that talks about, uh, that shows how audiences are responding, but I've yet to see that. Mm -hmm. So, but at the same time, everything that he said in that, uh, in that, tweet conversation really really helped me because I had some missing links like I knew in 1996 that the telecommunications act came in and that significantly changed ownership on radio that was one of my questions yeah. that I was gonna ask like how that deregulation um I don't know contributed to this because it did a whole lot worse for independence yeah. and um, playlists yeah. and narrowing what people were allowed to do or play and having their own discretion over artists and yeah. spins. So I, I unfortunately can't get into details only because I want 10 years of data before, before right. I can get into it. But essentially what happens is that, um, that the telecommunications act was signed in 1996 and radio star stations were allowed to deregulate. And so larger conglomerates were allowed to buy up smaller stations. And at the same time, they started to centralize programming decisions. And so decisions of what gets played on a station doesn't, um, isn't at the hands of a local director alone, but there's somebody centrally who's making a lot of decisions. And so if that central person is following the school of not playing two women back to back and of believing that lower number of mm. women's incre women increases your ratings, then that is going to have an impact not just on one station, but across a whole bunch across the whole country. And so what I was seeing in my first study, which was on Billboard's Hot Country Songs chart, which at the time was a radio airplay chart, was that at the end of the 1990s, women were in the mid-20s to 34% of the popularity charts, but this was also at the height of Lilith Fair. So this is when the changes were happening. Telecommunications Act happens in 96, 96, 97. We have potential changes in programming as a result of this experiment. And then Lilith Fair ends. The, we have 2,000, and then the number of women starts to decline. And so you can almost see, um, like I can't say there's a direct correlation but there's enough events that are happening late 1999 that would lead one to start to pin um to sort of pin all these things together and see that changes in programming and changes in ownership eventually resulted in a decrease in the number of women and so when you so get 99 was sort of the tipping point you think i think so yeah what year did napster happen because something that i keep reading about as yeah. one of the f the reasons or the fault of this whole thing is um, Napster and mm -hmm. essentially stealing of music, which led to um, artists not selling as many records, getting them for free, and then that's less money for the record companies, the record labels, so they, they then end up saying, we actually can't sign as many women it, as many women to the mm -hmm. labels anymore because we don't have the budget to sell that many more. Right. And, our data shows that we sell more from men, so we need to sign more men, less women, and essentially use that as the excuse. Yeah, I'm just gonna, can I Google while we're here? Yeah, do Nap it. Napster, I don't actually, I don't actually know, and I'd love to know its actual 
founded in 2001. I'd love so to it's know. So kind of links into that timeline. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to know it's, sorry, initial release June 1st, 1999. Boom. Stable release 2002. I'd love to know its direct impact on country. Country is one of those genres that has always been very loyal. Yeah. And very album driven. And to this day, I still buy albums, even though I know that I could download them to Apple Music. Can I plug like that? You can say whatever <laughs> you want. Even though I know that I can just... We don't have any sponsors. Excellent. We're, <laughs> we're not offending anybody. Excellent. Even though that I know as an Apple Music subscriber, I can download tracks and then just get rid of them when I want. It's important to me to put my money behind the artist. It mm -hmm. always has been. And I think a lot of country fans feel the same mm -hmm. way. So... I'd love to know how deeply Napster impacted country specifically. Well, yeah. it probably definitely made it more track driven, I think. The same yeah. way that streaming has uh -huh. done. We talk about this all the time. Yeah. Those country fans, we listen to albums through and through. Yeah. Part of the reasons why you see a bunch of vinyl there, if you're at our other studio, which is my house, you'd yeah. see a bunch of vinyl there too. Yeah. Because it's there's something about the genre where... There, there's still a lot of importance, I think, put on yeah. the, the full album. But at the same time, I don't know how much you follow Blake Shelton and Sheryl Crow. Um, they have both released statements that they no longer want to release albums. Well, and that's a uh, that's an ongoing trend. where yeah. And it's, it's about frequency too, yeah. right? In frequency of releases, they have to happen. If you put on an album and even put one out a year later, that's too much time. Yeah. And you're seeing yeah. artists either putting out... Unless like, you're Sturgill Simpson. Yeah, but he can do whatever the hell he wants. Did you try? Let's not get into it. He <laughs> was on Joe Rogan podcast. I, I was listened gonna, to two and a half hours of him today. Oh, I, it was should, so good. You should have, I'll listen to it tomorrow. Yeah, I, I that new album. I don't know. I, I it's not country, but it's it's still Sturgill. So I guess it's okay. yeah. I've only heard the one song, uh, but I'm I'm not going to listen to the rest of it until I watch the Netflix. Like I I need to do it with the movie. Okay, there's a movie. It's like a Japanese animation. Oh my gosh. I'm very behind. Yeah. It's like this just Pink came out. Floyd's The Wall okay. or Kanye's <laughs> Dark Twisted Fantasy okay. that has like a full length deal with it movie that it but this is like made in Japan with like the top animators. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Very cool concept. Oh, I love that. Don't know if I'm gonna love the music, but I love everything he does, even when it's different yeah. that yeah, Anyways, such a cool dude. What were we saying? Oh yeah, the the Napster, Napster so singles. I, I yeah. feel like just to jump off what you were saying there, of all the different reasons and excuses, and not making excuses for anyone dropping women, mm -hmm. but if there is one that makes the most sense, at least financially, mm -hmm. it would be tied to that loss of sales that coincided yeah. right around the time. Because if things are peaking at ninety nine, two thousand, like right into the turn of the millennium. Yeah. And then that happens and then it drops off. We yeah. all know that the record industry took a huge punch yeah. in the face with that. Yeah. And if the way that maybe based on advice from guys like this Keith Hill or whoever yeah. else that they decided that, well, also coinciding with bro country, which was 2012. No, it came earlier than that. I got not it coinciding. It depends on but. who you think the father of bro country is. Oh, I would love to know who you. We, I think we talked about this before. Yeah, it Ooh. was. It's, it's I think, Jason. Jason I feel like Jason Aldean, yeah. like Dirt Road Anthem. Yeah, that's where yeah. we the yeah. Ground Zero. Yeah. Two thousand and eight or nine. Something like that. Well, well, Big Green Tractor was two thousand and nine. I would not call Big Green Tractor. No, no, no. But I'm just and and Dirt Road Anthem was it a year or two after that. No. No. no Big Green Tractor, I think, would have been earlier, wouldn't it? 
2010 was Dirt Road Anthem. Oh, wow. Big Green Tractor was 2009. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yes. You know, the reason why that sticks in my brain is because the summer of 2009 was also uh, Need You Now summer with Lady Antebellum. Right. I lived in Nashville that summer and he had a number one and I drove down Music Row and there was a big green tractor congratulating (laughs) him on Music Row. That's so And so it will always stick in my head because I could not... That was that was a really interesting experience. Every time there was a number one, there was a new banner or something to celebrate it on Music Row. But you drive down and you see a giant John Deere green dra- tractor with congratulations, Jason. And it's Aldean. driving or it's just parked Just there? parked. Just parked. Okay. Yeah. In front. He didn't have a bar at that point. No, it would have been in front of like his label. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, yeah. Music Row, right. Music I was Row. thinking Broadway. Yeah, yeah. no. Yeah. Okay. We've talked a little bit like Colt Ford too being pretty... No, um, but he's not. Yeah, but he's not in the that scene enough. Like I feel like no. But if you're starting to talk, he wrote where, that song. Though. He did actually yeah. with Brantley Gilbert, I think. Brantley um, Gilbert, that would be a that would be a also yeah. early starting. Point. But it's it's when that when it started to creep into into the ether of, of yeah. Where, where was like Jake Owen at with like oh six oh seven like all those oh, party gosh. beer koozies girls tailgate. He always had a beach vibe to his yeah. his music what's which, more broy than the beach no but there's just there's it, it bugs me for some reason the beach vibe there's a <laughs> bit of a disconnect between for me between like what a jake owen was doing and what a jason aldean was doing well because jake owen was more Unpacked it's a party vibe home. it's a party vibe and oh. then the other one is, yeah. is more of exactly the dirt road anthem yeah. like driving the truck like drinking on the back road hey girl. All that kind of, yeah yeah and then Jake Owen more just party vibe, I think. Yeah. Which would more towards like college. It's, he was almost like college country. Yes, yes. Like, oh. co- you know, like college rock. If we could give it a genre <laughs> it's, or it's a more sub-genre. Frat. <laughs> yeah, for frat boys. College, frat country. Yeah. All right. I like it. Done. Yeah, the, sub, the sub-genre of <laughs> bro country. <laughs> um, I had a question and yeah. I think we're going to jump over all over the timeline here probably sure. a little bit, yeah. but it's as I think of things that I was I was reading, but it was... Because on the Canadian, the study you did about Canadian mm-hmm. uh, country radio, there was the whole section where, and I wasn't not exactly sure the timeline of this, but when there was a few radio star- stations that started launching things like Girl Power Hour, yeah. uh, f- stuff like that. When did that all come into play? That was late 2000s, right? It was about a year ago. Now? A year ago, yeah. So that comes after the whatever we called it, where the radio stations were amalgamating. Was that 2015 you were talking about? Where or, I don't remember the timelines, but... Uh, are we talking about telecommunications? Yes. So that's American. Okay. And that's late 1990s. Did it apply? Did that happen, Canada? That was Canada? 96, wasn't it? 96? Telecommunications? Yeah, telecommunications yeah. was 96. So no, the Canadian study, I talk about... I talk about what happens in the States, but only to show that what happens in the states because it's interesting when i started to run the canadian data i started to see that everything that happened in canada happened in the united states one or two years earlier that's how it goes across the board right is trickle i'm gonna say trickle yeah. down but it's trickle up i guess right and so <laughs> yes You're looking at a map <laughs> and so i i brought a little bit of that in only to say that what happened in the States would without a doubt have an impact on Canadian country radio. Um, even though those laws apply only to American ownership. So in Canada, we have significantly fewer Canadian country 
um, mm-hmm. stations. Um, and I was looking at an even smaller range because I was just looking at the ones that report to MediaBase. For instance, we have two stations in Ottawa and only one reports to MediaBase. The one? other one doesn't. Uh, Pure 94 reports it, to MediaBase. It Media pisses Base. me off that they've changed their name to Pure Country. Because? There is nothing pure country about that radio station. It is pop country. They misspelled pop country with a U-R-E. It is well, a joke. You could let them know. Yeah, but I don't do you know, think, I, is there like, any country station that's aptly named? Well, I don't know what aptly named means. But country 101. Yeah. That's, does a good job. Yeah, they do a great job. And they're, they, they play a little bit of old stuff and not even like old old but they have the retro weekends like the sunday morning show and everything yeah that's something yeah totally it's always on sundays when they do those throwbacks they have straight at eight where they play george Strait every oh that's why you like them yeah well (laughs) it's it's just another little andrew will find every single episode whatever we're talking about he'll find a way to mention george Strait to the point where we started calling it (laughs) straight talk because and we even made a little theme music for it everything well we haven't made the music yet no in our heads we made it just started make, trying to make steel guitar sounds that turned out to sound like lasers. So okay. we kinda, we, we've got we've to end that. We've got to actually record something. Yeah, we will. I had another question. Yeah. Um, and this was, I, I try to talk to people leading into to episodes that we do because I like to get opinions from people who maybe aren't necessarily in the genre um, or, you know, they're not doing as deep dive of research as we do on things. And when I mentioned that we were doing an interview with you and what your study uh, studies were about, uh, a lot of people asked me just a pretty simple question. And it was mainly women that I asked the, uh, their opinion on this kind of thing. And mm-hmm. everybody said, don't worry, it's not super controversial. <laughs> but then I, I tried to defend it and I didn't really have the tools in my toolkit to do it. Mm-hmm. But everybody said, well, it's just because there's more male artists out there. Ooh, I get that one a lot too. So th- it after my f- after the American study was published in April, I su- I shouldn't have, but I did look at some of the comments. Just don't just don't, <laughs> don't ever do ever. it. <laughs> you end up seeing that kind. Of, well, there are just more men in country music. The thing is, there aren't. There are tons of women in country music. There just aren't a lot of women signed to labels in country music, and that is part of this ecosystem problem, right? So if you have experiments where you reduce the number of women in your playlists by half and so you're playing fewer women labels are going to sign fewer women they might start dropping their women publishers will do the same becomes it's, a self-dominant it's fulfilling a self-fulfilling pro- prophecy yeah. and then you get to a space where you don't have enough women on labels so that country radio that does want to play them doesn't have enough to choose from this is a conversation that i've had with amanda kingsland at country 101 and she said i'd love to program more women but I don't even have enough women in my database in front of me when I'm programming to include them. So they ha- labels have to play a, a, a role in this too. It can't always be a launch at radio, even though uh, perhaps it started there. It's too, we don't have enough data to know where it started. And it, it is a bit of a chicken and an egg and not, mm-hmm. not really worth it in the end. But ultimately, there are tons of female artists in country music. There are tons of exceptionally talented women in this genre, but they are not signed to labels, so they are independent, so you don't hear them. We try very hard on this podcast to, to bring, you know, anybody that we find that we love, we male or female, we try to bring them. We do episodes on an underground country and things like that, but you are right that it's, it's hard. It, it can be difficult. Like the average listener 
doesn't really have the tools or the want or the know-how to dig that deep for mm-hmm. their music. They want it to be brought right out in front of, of them. Of course. And there is. There is an absolute treasure trove of uh-huh. females in country music. Well, across all genres. Yeah. But that's out there, but you have to really dig deep. And yeah. so that makes this whole thing a little bit scarier because yeah. if the radio play, it's not just giving them exposure it also means that it's trickling all the way down yeah. to the artists themselves where yeah. it's like they can't make any sort of living out of it because they're not getting radio play therefore they're not getting signed or whatever chicken or egg you want to yeah. you want to call it but that's yeah. that makes it, this whole study uh, a whole lot more serious and scary where people need to start stepping up and it goes even further right so radio is not playing them so they're being dropped or not signed so they're not getting on tours as a result of not getting on tours, they're not getting that very important exposure to the new fans that they could have. Um, they're not having fan club opportunities. They're not having merchandising. And we think of these things as perhaps not important, but at, that's how they get paid. It's, it's through merch at concerts. It's through ticket sales. It's through albums, singles, etc. And so it's, it's, this all-consuming, self-fulfilling prophecy. So we're we're in 2019, and we actually have uh, tours where there are no women, or festivals where there are few women. Um, and so it's it's become a huge problem. It's a problem for the artists who are trying to build careers, but it's a problem for fans. I mean, I'm lucky. I grew up uh, through the 80s and 90s. Women were a big part of radio for me. They were a big part of my world. But I have a six-year-old who gets to hear women because I play them in the house. But yeah. if she were to flip on the radio and to not hear a woman, who is she going to look up to? Yeah. This is what concerns pretty much all of us is that our generation is fine. We have role models. But the generations that follow don't have them. Yeah, a question about that um, from the 80s and 90s. Seeing this number at peaked at 34% in 99, you say, <clears throat> yep. anecdotally and remembering back, I feel like that number would have been much more close to parity. And I, and I, I get that these numbers are facts and you Well, they're pulled, popularity charts. Right. So, so they're, they're from there like more. number one. Yeah. Yeah, so like this was all from like end of year, like number one. These were all the songs that charted, period, in each calendar year. So it would be possible that they maybe like had more spins of female songs or older female songs that aren't relevant to the new charts. So the average listener could be listening and hearing 50-50 of male females, but not necessarily seeing that representation on the year end. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not crazy thinking that there was so much more women on the radio at the time, even if it wasn't translating exactly to... Exactly. Okay. So, so that study that you're speaking about is my um, article on hot country songs, which mm-hmm. is purely popularity charts right. of currents. So what you're not going to see is the golds and the recurrence in that right. data set. So yeah, you'll see that there might be a lot of Shania Twain songs that year on the chart, but what you're not seeing might be like early Winona Judd right. or it, the Judds. That's exactly what I was saying Dolly the other Parton. day when talking about it. It was like, all of the new Faith or Schneier or whatever would have been on, but yep. then they were still always playing yeah. old Reba or yeah. the Judds or yeah. something like that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So they would all also be there. 
And so you're right. Those numbers would be different. I'd love to think they might be like a 50, 40, Does anybody 60 keep those or... where it was, where it would have been like entire play charts. So you could see a male, female playlist as th- opposed to charts. I, th- hmm, that's really tough. It'd be a lot of data to mine. It would when be I worked a lot at a radio ha- station in high school, we had to do that for Canadian content, yeah. but not for everything. We had to write down, we yeah. had to keep a minimum of like 15% or 20% Canadian content. Yeah. And then and most of them are handwritten notes. Yeah, yeah. no, that's what I did. I yeah. hand wrote them all out. Yeah. So I have, I have access to media bases data. Um, for the U.S. airplay charts, I can go back to, I think, 98, 99, but it becomes very manual. Right. Um, they're getting a new interface, so maybe it'll be maybe it'll be different. But for Canadian data, I can only really go back to 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I could go back to late 90s uh, for media base in the States, um, I, I get a better sense of what's going on. Um, but I don't know that I can otherwise get direct from Radio Airplay o- mm-hmm. on their entire um, yeah. repertoire. Hmm. But it would be it would be really valuable. Yeah, I was I was curious about that um, a little bit too. Just I, I guess the data just doesn't probably exist to be right out there. But like through the fifties, sixties, seventies, it'd be really interesting to see just like a. Yeah. A real simple chart of where it was in yeah. terms of those percentages. So I have the entire um, history of Hot Country songs dated back to 44. W- at the time, it would have, it was, it was not called a country chart. It was, uh, uh, my gosh, I'm drawing a total blank. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, uh, it's in my article. You'd think I'd remember. <laughs> um, 1944 it would have been like a jukebox chart. Juke, okay. Folk and jukebox chart. Yeah. Where so, they counted how many times a record got played or got yeah. picked on the huh. jukebox. Yeah. yeah. So that's about 44 to 58. And 58 uh, actual like radio and sales charts come into play. And so from 58 to 90, there were various forms of airplay and sales and then in 1990, Hot Country Songs became an air- airplay chart only. So I have the entire history. Um, we're working on cleaning it up now so that we can we can do a study. But again, it's it's popularity chart. So it's only going to be what was bought, sold, mm-hmm. played. Um, so it's not going to give a full picture of what's going on. But I'm I'm also working with my colleague in the United States, Travis Steimling. He, um, he's at West Virginia University and he has some data on um Opry's um, performance schedule for the mm. 50s and my golly gee that is a lot of male representation um I think uh what's his name Bill Denning Denning that yeah. sounds familiar yeah I think his name was Bill Denning the Opry program director oh yeah it's possible Would that Super, be through the 50s oh uh, yeah that would have been from the 50s to the 80s maybe yeah okay. he he ran the show there for yeah. a very long time. Yeah. So we're going to be delving into that data soon and using it with my Hot Country songs to look at what's going on between charts and the Opry stage, which I is going to be really interesting. I would guess it, 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 that the two things would have to reflect each other a lot. For sure. Just seeing by yeah. what happens yeah. on the Opry nowadays. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Spotify and streaming. Because this, I, I feel like I agree with everything you said. Well, I can't disagree with it. It's 
you're going off of facts. <laughs> these are these are things we you were definitely. You don't like my numbers. Well. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about alternative facts. <laughs> uh, I've, I've been called fake news before. Oh yeah. In <laughs> what joking. context? I'm joking. Oh, okay. Um, I kind of hoped you had been. I wanted to know where that was going or coming from. But so when talking about how difficult it is for women in not being signed to labels, mm-hmm. not being on the radio, not being on major tours, that is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. But in the recent years uh, where a door has closed, a window has opened. Has it? I think so. This was the bomb. This we're was gonna the drop. bomb we're going to blow on you today. <laughs> oh, really? So, so two, three weeks ago. Okay. I think I told you about this, Martina McBride. Yeah. So three weeks ago. Yeah, I saw that the Insta story. It, yeah. Yeah. So she was uh, building a playlist. She called it country music, and then used their recommender system, and wanted to build a playlist of female artists. And it says quite clearly underneath. Um, underneath the recommender system that is based on the title that you call the playlist. And so she's refreshing through and she refreshes 13 times before she gets to a single female artist, Mm -hmm. 135 songs by men (laughs) and, and then stops and she publishes her Insta story and it, it sort of blew my mind. I mean, I knew, I knew there were problems because Liz Pelly had written about Spotify last year too. And she had similar, um, concerns about the lack of representation on the hot country uh, prime brand playlist and so I um last Tuesday I sat down at my at my desk and I was like well I mean this has been eating at me for too long I'm just going to sit here and 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 replay the Martina McBride experience so I created a playlist I called it country music and I started taking screen caps of every single refreshed on, on Spotify on Spotify and I got to 12 refreshes before I got a song by a woman, 121 songs by men. That's interesting because I sent you some screenshots of me doing the same thing. Yeah. And it was immediately all women. But I think it's because you, you built it based around a woman. I built it based around a genre. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because mine yeah. was similar too. Yeah. Because I started on, I don't know, Ashley McBride or something. Yeah. And then it was similar to and similar to. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. So I used the recommender system specifically. And so I was like, well, okay, well, this is interesting. Well, I'm going to keep going. I want to see what happens next. So I got to 20 screens and I had had six songs by women out of 200 songs and five songs by male, female ensembles. And what percentage is that? Would that Three. happen to... Three, so it's not three. even the fifteen percent of no. the radio. Wow. So we're spe- it's three percent male female ensembles, three percent songs by women, and the rest was all men. Wow. Um, so then I was like, well, I might as well keep going. So I refreshed twenty three more times before it sort of reset itself, and it brought me back to my first screen. And in total, I had four hundred and thirty songs. Forty of them were by women. Twenty of them, uh, sorry, twenty artists release those 40 songs so there are more than 20 women in the genre where are they the only um the only all-female ensemble was the dixie chicks um there was no runaway june there was no maddie and tay um there were there were solo female artists um i have some of the results here so we have 
uh, Miranda Lambert has four songs. Faith Hill, Maren Moore, Shania Twain, Carrie Underwood each have three. Lauren Elena, Loretta Lynn, Martina McBride, Rue McIntyre, Casey Musgraves, Dolly Parton, Gretchen Wilson, Trisha Yearwood all have two. The rest have one. Hmm. This is 20 women. <laughs> 20 versus 148 unique solo male artists. 148. That's crazy. Before you even get to the one song by a woman that comes in at 122, you've heard 121 songs by men. And you have so many male artists who have repeat hits. So you have Lee Bryce, Luke Combs, Billy Currington, Florida Georgia Line, Sam Hunt, Alan Jackson, Toby Keith, John Party, George Strait. That's for you. Can't believe he's so low on that list. And Zach Brown all have four songs each in the recommender before you get to the first song by a woman. I take issue with this male list too because there's a lot of garbage on here. Yeah, what <laughs> I was about to ask, um, what is at the bottom of like who are examples of artists at the low end of this list of the male list? Or yeah, the female of the male list. Chris Young, Cole, not to jump on. I just yeah, have it in no, front go of ahead. Well. <laughs> Chris Young, Cole Swindle, blah, Blake Shelton, Darius Rucker, Jake Owen. Randy Houser, they're all like two plays. But again, these are just the so- the male artists with songs before you get to Miranda Lambert yeah. and the first song by a woman. Huh. There's no reason why you need four songs by anybody before you get offered a song by a woman. I'll mm-hmm. tell you one thing. There's no reason you need four songs from Florida Georgia Line. In- Period. Yeah. Period. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is not a gender or an airplay <laughs> conversation. This is just a country music decency <laughs> conversation. Um, th- this is wild like this i saw this on instagram today that's why we were you need mentioning to see it earlier this infographic that, yeah there's good infographics there <laughs> and then it was funny because you 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 softballed or you, what's the right is it softballed it in i don't know whatever the terminology is i don't do sports but uh <laughs> what you really set us up there because i went into the comments a little bit and i made the mistake of doing that but your the comments were fine here yeah. they everything yeah. was very respectful but someone said uh one of your followers said that streaming levels the playing field for women but i mean this data completely yeah but did but was that um who was it that said that oh i don't remember they weren't saying it in a, they weren't saying that streaming does level yeah the play, they're saying they're that saying, they say that streaming le- le- yeah, levels the playing people field. people say that yeah. and this proves that it absolutely does not it does not well my, it does not and i I definitely but agree with that. Can, you but can find my, women. You that's can my build point, your own playlist. Accessibility yeah. for it. Yeah. And in ter- so from my perspective But you have to know they exist. True. And I'm I'm a country music geek, so I'm always looking right. for something new. Yeah. And I'm on Instagram and seeing all these underground people and yeah. like their bud who is like opening for them, who yeah. is nobody also, who just has like a three song EP and then two years later they'll have something we already know about them. Yeah but we're not the average people. Yeah. Um, but the point is that at least there's a platform mm-hmm. where you can... So I'm just imagining if Spotify did not exist for me, mm-hmm. I would not know of about, I don't know, 50% of the women yeah. that I listen to. For sure. And just by the fact that it's there. And I, I know that the majority of the listening public isn't like me. But there is a lot of people like that, and yeah. particularly in certain subsets, through, yeah. say through Texas or Tennessee and wherever else, that they do start to be able to build mm-hmm. followings. I'm thinking of people like Jamie Wyatt, mm-hmm. that not on any kind of radio. Well, I guess Outlaw XM plays her, yeah. but 
other yeah. than that, like she, she's starting to get pretty big yeah. entirely off of yeah. Spotify. I absolutely think that services like Spotify and Apple Music are are really important for that very reason because you can't hear them on radio. Yeah. And so it's nice to go and find them. But we need to really start thinking about the algorithms that are underlying these services. It's not just me. So so my collaborators, Woman Nashville, Mm -hmm. they have created a couple of women only playlists. And so when I published this blog this morning yeah, when I published this blog this morning, they shared screen caps of the songs that were recommended based on the playlist that they had curated. And it was four screen caps, so 40 songs, 24 songs, sorry, and two were by women. <laughs> and it's like, those are those are being recommended based on playlists with only women in them. Mm. So, I mean... You know, we can't just flick a switch and, and say, okay, Spotify is just going to do, do the, make this change in their algorithm and everything's going to be okay because it's not. It's, it's a human programming, but it's also a programming a computer to think, okay. essentially, right? Oh, absolutely. So here's the next question, and I don't know if you have this data or not. How is this percentage or current percentage or past peak percentages compared to other genres, say hip hop or Mm. rock or everything, because I'm really only zoned, like the only two kinds of music that I really know something about is country music and somewhat like old school hip hop, other than like alternative rock that I grew up with. Right. But rock, I'd say has far less than this. Yeah. And hip hop, I don't know, maybe more, maybe less. I'm not, I'm not sure. And that's why I'm wondering is the whole conversation's bad. We should have gender parity period. That's just fair. Agreed. But is country in the world, in this arena, this, in this conversation, is country music so bad or would the late nineties, 34% peak, would it have been a kind of high watermark or is it still low? I just, I, I don't know. So to start with an anecdote, Mm -hmm. I was asked, uh, I shared some of these Spotify results with uh, a colleague and, and her immediate was, oh, I'd love to see what this looks like for other genres. And I was (laughs) like, oh, I should probably look, I should probably look. So I created a a list called hip hop and by screen three, I had songs by women, Mm. which if, you know, there are genres where you assume there would be similar, um, gender imbalances youth hip-hop is one of them and i was startled actually to see that by page three right in the middle there were songs by women Mm -hmm. um so my students uh i i bring this data into my class and my students have worked on rock and rock is a problem absolutely there uh there are years with very poor representation of female artists um and my students have worked on hip-hop and yeah, there it's not equal, but it's not as bad. Mm-hmm. Um, Which now, is kind of odd, yeah. considering well, how that genre that represents itself. Yeah, hip hop tends to be in my in the data we work with tends to be lumped in with R and B. So it's R and B and hip hop, and so you have a lot of R and B artists who are filtered in, whether it's a popularity chart or, um, or a direct from radio, yeah. airplay stats, and so, um, that perhaps skews it a little bit but by virtue of being together you're having increased representation of women Mm -hmm. so we need to do more um 
my students uh, will be working on is more in the winter term. Cool. And depending on their level of comfort, we might start to make some of their projects public at the end. I'm curious. So we'll have a report back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Legal> part two. <laughs> I was just thinking like I drew an odd parallel in my mind thinking of the hip hop thing and that, you know, it's a fairly, fairly like misogynistic genre. And is it causing sort of a parallel back to, um, I guess it would be like the 50s and 60s in country where there was all those like response songs. <laughs> like right. it wasn't God and made honky tonk angels yeah. and like songs like the pill. And like, I don't think that was a direct response song, but um, these like misogynistic male songs were causing all these female response songs. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious if it, that has something to do with uh, the hip hop side of it as well, because, you know, there is a lot of that. And then you have artists like, I'm, I don't really know that many hip hop artists, period, but I guess like Cardi B. Yeah. And that's about the extent of my knowledge of hip hop. But, you know, I, I, I'm curious if maybe that has something to do with it. Is, is that response kind of thing paralleling yeah. back to, you know, you see that in country still today. Yeah, you do. And, I don't know that I can speak to hip hop with any great authority. I have some colleagues who who are really grounded in in the field more so than I would be, but uh, there are a lot of really great hip hop female artists out there right now. So it's definitely oh, yeah. it's and definitely an, <clears throat> a lovely uh, tide change for that genre. Well, th there's always been. Well, of course there yeah. have always been, but they're like very prominent. Yeah, maybe. You know, maybe. I, I my my question is was more along the percentage yeah. of like representation, because yeah. like there's lots of great female country artists yeah. now, and it, always it's, were. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. it's not that they don't exist. It's a matter of like, yeah. I I would wonder what the same um, analysis of women signed to record labels versus men as what you yeah. studied in country music what what that would look like like what what is death row and rockefeller and whatever what what, yeah. what do they have percentage wise of women yeah i mean one day hopefully we know yeah uh, i bet there's somebody out there that i hope so has that study i hope so and i really hope that um i mean i'm not the only one doing these types of studies i have some colleagues at concordia that have looked at the um the hot 100 charts and so i'm just hoping that the more we look at these charts the more people start to think about other genres because rock needs to be studied hip-hop and r&b needs to be studied um it's it's really like these charts popularity charts are there um they become markers of historical value right like they're the the songs that chart the highest and the longest tend to become part of a canon of songs mm -hmm. And so we it's almost like revisionist history. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. really is because it doesn't yeah. tell that like, it's like what you were saying about what the actual yeah. play was back then. Yeah. It, it doesn't tell the proper story because you're just looking at it on paper. Yeah. Yeah. So we need, but we need to start looking at who was represented so we can start to look at who wasn't represented mm -hmm. and start to uncover like the hidden voices and they're not hidden. They're just not on radio. Mm hmm. Yeah, you need to dig a And th this is what worries me uh, about streaming uh, across all genres, but I'll, I guess I'll speak to country music because we're on a show called Country Country Music. <laughs> but um, where streaming just really bothers me is that many, like most of the, act most listeners don't want to dig that deep. They, they flip it on. They just want to let it do its thing. And they love hearing a bunch of Florida Georgia line when they're sitting by the lake or whatever. They, they want to hear 
a, a bunch of uh, Luke Bryan when they're driving to work. They don't care. They're they're so used to it, and they don't mind hearing the same songs over and over and over again. And I mean, Spotify isn't too bad for that. Like, you're not going to get much repeat on there, but you get repeat of artists constantly. Yeah. But so it just becomes the norm for most people. They yeah. don't care. It does not bother them. Uh-huh. And bringing it back to what you were saying, like, um, you know, uh, about your daughter, but if someone else is just their parents that's all they're listening to you know not only uh, you know are those girls not going to grow up with music role models it's that's what would probably push them into becoming musicians themselves right i don't think many little girls are going to listen to uh, um luke combs and be like i want to i want to do that like it's unlikely it just (laughs) and i'm not slamming him like chris stapleton is my daughter's favorite see that i can understand (laughs) And, you know, I trained her at two to recognize his voice. (laughs) She's sitting in the backseat. I'm like, who is this? Chris Stapleton. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, it's solid music. So but yeah, it's it's worrisome that that's with this whole streaming culture is going to it's like the stupefaction of any genre. It's just you're never going to get past what they're they're letting you hear. Yeah. Unless you start to dig a little deeper. Yeah. And and, you know, beyond little girls, like I want to hear my own stories on the radio. I want to listen to the radio and hear a love story that is my own or, you know, some other story that has some resonance for me. And and so, you know, I'm finding it in other places, of course, but I'm certainly not finding it on radio. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can I can totally relate to that just in the sense that when I li- like I don't listen to radio, period, because just, I just find it's all garbage. Um, so I seek out my own music, but it's the same for the same reason. I yeah. want to like... I want to listen to what I want to listen to. I want yeah. to listen to what I like. Something that resonates with me. Yeah. Stuff that's on the radio does not resonate with yeah. me. It never has. So yeah. It's frustrating. Yeah. The other thing that I get frustrated with is the idea that a song by a woman might not resonate for a man. Who doesn't resonate with Girl Going Nowhere by Ashley McBride? Huh, yeah. Like, the your gender identity doesn't matter. It's about a person from a small town who was told they were going nowhere and then makes it. And so... She that, played that at the Opry when we were there, didn't she? I believe oh so. Oh my gosh, I think that so. song guts yeah. me. But it's everybody's story, yeah. you know? It doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man. Yeah, they're it not is, just yeah. gender-specific that's, songs. That's been like, yeah. always the thing about country songs is that you don't have to live it or know it to relate to it. Like, we just did an episode on cheating songs. You don't have to be a cheater to like appreciate and be moved or uh-huh. hurt or feel something from from those kind of songs. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be a man to yeah. enjoy a, a song that from a male perspective or from a yeah. female perspective. Absolutely, I am most certainly uh, not. I'm trying to think of my favorite Chris Stapleton song. One of the songs I love is Death Row. I am not on Death Row, <laughs> but that song is so stunning. It's so stunning. And, you know, it doesn't even really have to do with the exact scenario that he's singing about. That song, I can feel it. There's something about his voice in that lyric. I'm not a man and I'm not on death row, but that song speaks to me in a really powerful way. And so I just, I just find it, it just, it just bothers me to think that we're, we're thinking in such um, black and white, visions of of uh, representation here i mean there's no reason why songs by any artist shouldn't um or even s- singers singing songs from different perspective yeah. i'm just thinking now of again ashley mcbride as you just brought up a little dive bar in dahlonega yeah. is that not 
her singing about a male? I think so. It's when she's talking about like Never thought about it, to be honest. raising your glass and singing the song and like yeah. a, a, when a pretty little blonde <laughs> thing's looking your way. Yeah. Like it, it, it doesn't sound yeah. like she's singing from the first person about yeah. herself. Yeah. Well, and then there's uh, uh, the Dixie Chicks cover of Patty Griffin's Top of the World. Yeah. That's sung from the perspective of a dying man, but Natalie Maines is singing it. And before her, it was Patty Griffin. Yep. It's, it's, I don't know. There's yeah, just, what happens to stories. her? She, Patty you, Griffin? Yeah. You um, don't hear much about her I anymore. read something about her recently. Oh, I don't want to get it wrong. I, I believe she might have had a small health okay. issue within the last year, but I think she's releasing or has just released an album. She's always been one of my favorite songwriters. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard her album. Um, oh my gosh, what is it called? Downtown Church. No, I don't think so. It is so stunning. I can't remember what my favorite song by her is called. It's escaping me now. Oh, something about tractors or John Deere. Something is mentioned in it. Big and Green? Maybe. <laughs> I can't remember. It's just something that like one of those early songs from my youth. Because she was big in the 80s, right? Oh, so. you're being serious. She has a song about a tractor. Or some, I, I, you know what? I, I've, I've got to go back and think about it. It, it may be something that I'm imposing on it because of a memory. <laughs> so Maybe projecting you were on it. a tractor when you heard it. It's, it's very possible. It's very possible. It doesn't seem like Patty Griffin, but I mean. All right. I'm we gonna, can check I'm gonna that gonna out. Do a, I'm going to do a quick Spotify on Patty Griffin and see what comes up. Oh. If it even comes up at all. Can, uh, I, can I hot seat you a little bit while he's doing this? Yeah. Don't worry. This is nothing hard hitting. It's okay. Just, I'm... <laughs> I'm curious now. Um, so I, I just made up a quick list. I, I wanted to like ask you some of your favorite artists, but you have yeah. to pick out of the two that I'm going to throw Ooh, out there. Okay. I hate these games. <laughs> One of them is, is going to be an episode that we're eventually going to do. So be careful whose side you pick here. Okay. Uh, Kitty Wells or Loretta Lynn? Like, I mean, I guess Loretta Lynn. I love them both. Damn. Sorry, am I? That's a one point for Andrew. Yeah. Ding. <laughs> How can you not? I mean, I know it's oh, coal miner's daughter. I know. It's fair. Um, All right. What else do I have? Dolly or Reba? Dolly. Yeah, I take yeah. on that one. I'm gonna. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean, I love Reba, but Dolly. See, like we were talking about this a little while ago. I think I like the idea of Reba and the person of Reba mm-hmm. more than I like her music. Oh. Okay. I can't think of many songs of hers that I like. I I know so many of them, but yeah, like we we I brought up uh, whoever's in New England, yeah, in our cheating songs episode, yeah, and I realized that that's probably one of my favorite songs of hers, and yeah. everything everyone else likes. Does of, he love you with Linda Davis? Oh, that song. Yeah, it's also very good. That that one just pushes the eighties yeah. meter just a little too hard <laughs> for me. Okay, <laughs> fancy. No, don't love it. Oh. Like the night the lights went out in Georgia, don't love it. Like Interesting. I don't know. And they all have that same kind so of there's vibe. Okay. There's something musically about her songs that like what would you call that tone or that vibe that is present in both the nights went out the the, the night the lights went out in Georgia and Fancy. They both have this I don't know. I don't know. Like deep south ish 
kind of character. It's not bluegrass. It's not Texas. It's something more like Alabama-ish kind of vibe. I don't know. It's funny. I was going to say New Orleans. Yeah. Or something <laughs> like something in that sort of like swampy deep south kind of character. Yeah. And I feel like, and I might be characterizing that wrong, but whatever that is, it I see it in a lot of her stuff yeah. and it does not speak to me at all. Fair enough. But I fully respect how you big of a deal she is and and she's hilarious and She's hilarious and you know what? Without her, I don't know where women would be. Yeah, seriously. I mean Loretta Lynn, Kitty Wells, Loretta Lynn, Dolly Parton, big names, big important um, boundary pushers, but Well, her know. and the Judds pretty much carried the eighties. Yeah, but Reba also was the first to do huge stadium tours of the nature she did and so she and she was the first to own like own her own um or i guess control her own image and so i think that for women who came after like if you listen to trisha yearwood talk about reba mcintyre she talks about the the path that she carved as a businesswoman which is really important for women because they didn't have the same kinds of support right so what could possibly go wrong (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh is that our Everything. first simpsons reference yeah i guess it is <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> wow it took only like an hour and change yeah. does this happen regularly every single Are you kidding me episode. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have several sometimes yeah that is true uh, did it start with like the um lurleen lumpkin stuff or was it just a natural simpsons reference i don't know they're natural all the time <laughs> i feel like <laughs> there's a Simpsons reference for every scenario in life. <laughs> Probably. It was on long enough. It's still on? It's still on. Ooh. I don't think it's watched that. It's so weird now with yeah. all of the voices because everybody's aged so much. Right. And I'm only used to watching because I rewatch it all the time, but seasons three through 12, and then you put on like season 30 now, and they're all kind of hoarse and different. <laughs> Lisa sounds like she's had 10 packs of cigarettes before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's even, it's Harry Shearer. It's all the Harry Shearer characters right. that have like, Principal Skinner sounds so different and weird. <laughs> it's almost like Hank Azaria has stayed kind of the same in the rest of... Fountain of Youth of, and that guy. Seriously. I don't get it. Yeah. Are we deep diving on The Simpsons right now? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I've only watched like 10 episodes, so... 10 episodes? Maybe. Ever? Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah, I don't know. What did you do in your childhood? Oh, I watched Friends. What? Yeah. And listen... Just when I thought we were gonna, yeah, (laughs) this interview is over. (laughs) Wait, so now I'm curious. When did you get into country music? How did you get into country music? Oh, how did I get into country music? Well, in some ways, it was always part of my life. Um, I would say, oh, the first, my first memories of really, really. Uh, I mean, I was of the new kids on the block generation, so, you know. Um, But the first memories of really country music impacting me, I have these vivid memories of family trips down to Cape Cod where we listened to Winona Judd's first album, her her debut album, and Garth's uh, Double Live. That's an awesome record. Yeah. So both of those... um, Both of those albums, to me, like, frame many of my childhood memories... Um, and you know, like any, like any other young lady of the 1990s, <laughs> Shania Twain, oh, yeah. Trisha Yearwood, um, my gosh, Dixie Chicks later on. Yeah. 
I have the same kind of road trip stories and it was I mean it wasn't that far it was about 40 minutes from our house but to like our, our family's camp which we'd call it in northern Ontario but it would be my dad had this old suburban and uh it, it, like I said it was probably a 40 or 45 minute drive but we'd we'd all lie down in the back with our sleeping bags. He had shag carpet Sounds back there. Sounds good and safe. Yeah, totally safe. <laughs> and then he had the eight-track player with like Johnny Cash yeah. and everything else. And, and yeah. that was sort of my uh, yeah. my road trip country music. I I remember seeing my, my parents' vinyls with like Johnny Cash. I don't particularly remember listening to them except for these two albums. Um, and so a lot of my my love of country music has come a little bit later than you know most probably but um a lot of it came through the dixie chicks a lot of it came. I, I would agree with you on that as well like I, yeah. I did have that small influence when i was younger but yeah ultimately like i grew up playing in a punk band yeah um all that kind of stuff and by the time i country really really started to resonate with me in a big way like i was always into johnny cash yeah. willie nelson yeah. a few a handful of other artists merle haggard yeah. just the stuff that i was exposed to but then when i really started to get into it on my own was yeah i was probably late teens i would think yeah well and i have very vivid memories about like particular albums like i have a very vivid memory about the day that i went to cornwall <laughs> went to the mall in Cornwall and I had saved up my allowance to buy Nirvana's In Utero <laughs> and hid it from my mom because she did not want me to have it. Um, sorry, mom, if you're listening to this eventually. Um, <laughs> I had to hide my red hot chili peppers out already. Yeah. <laughs> she, she knows. <laughs> she found it. That and like Smashing Pumpkins, um, the double album. You're saying yeah. all the same things for me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was Melancholy the 90s, and right? infinite sadness. Yes, melancholy. You know, it was Did you the have 90s. Green Day Dookie as well? Yeah. I preferred Siamese yeah. Dream, personally. Oh, That's a good one, too. Yeah. Pearl That's Jam, Vitalogy. Hmm. Or Ten. Ten. I can get on board with that. Yeah. I forget which which, which one is the one with Better Man. That's Vitalogy. Vitalogy. Yeah, that's the one. That's a solid that's, album. That's my favorite song of theirs. Yeah. I was that when you said the thing about having to hide the Nirvana album. Like I remember I bought this uh Red Hot Chili Peppers, it was like a hoodie from Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Okay. And same thing, I had to hide it. I had to leave it in my locker because I took it home. My mom was like, she freaked out because yeah. I guess it said, whatever it said, Blood Sugar Sex Magic was not cool with her. Yeah. No, my, <laughs> my mom did not want me having an album, rightfully so, with a track called Rape Me on it. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a different time. It was a different time. It was a good album, though. Yeah, that's A true. good album. <laughs> well, now that we've all dated ourselves. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe we should wrap it up there. What do you think? With, uh, with grunge music. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on a country <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should probably listen to some country music. Yeah, what do you think? What should we throw on? We usually uh, end these episodes. Do with, I get uh, to pick? You, as the guest of honor, the first honorary guest. Any, we don't actually play the music on the podcast because that would require rights and everything. But, but we, we usually go after and <laughs> have a drink and put something on. Okay, well, I mean, if I could request anything... It has to be country. The High Women. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we can totally get that. Women. <laughs> no problem. Andrew's favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's anthem. <laughs> Thank you so much uh, for doing the interview. Thank it you was, for having it me. Really it was a lot of fun. Actually, Jada, how's your time? You got uh, time to stick around? We might record another one. Yeah, absolutely. Sean, what do you think? Are you saying we're going to do an off-the-cuff, last-minute yeah, Total I mean, surprise country catch-up. <laughs> I think it worked out last time. You want to do another one? Now that yeah. we have a third. Yeah, I am wholly un underprepared, but between <laughs> the three of us, I'm sure we can come up with enough things to talk about.
Yeah, I, I feel like we have enough grievances between the three of us. Sure. An airing <laughs> of the grievances? Yeah, sounds All right, good. Let's do it. Country, country music. 